Hey everyone, welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. This is episode five. Our goal here is to just dig a little bit deeper into this Sunday's sermon and just so that way we can dig it a little bit deeper into our hearts and figure out how we can apply it better. I'm Chris Brown. I'm the associate pastor here. I'm Jacob Belding. I'm the connections minister here. And we've got someone very special today on sound, Mr. Nikolai Uten. Hey, everyone. Nikolai, introduce yourself. T- t- tell them who you are. Hello, I'm Nikolai Uten. Uh, I volunteer a lot at the church. You've probably seen me around. It's nice to be here. Slapping the bass. <laughs> Slapping the bass, man. Nikolai has been part of this church for a long time. How long? Uh, since like 2016. 2016, so seven uh, years or so. You came when you were a ninth grader, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he was a student when I was in student ministry. Uh, and so me and Nikolai go way back, which means I'm going to throw Nikolai under the bus today. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. We're glad that Nikolai is here. He's going to add his infinite wisdom uh, to these conversations. Really, we should, we, me and Jacob should be over there with you, and you should be here. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Anyways, today's going to look a little bit different because I actually preached on Sunday, and so it would be boring for me to recap my own sermon, so I'm just going <laughs> to kick it over to Jacob, and Jacob's going to recap it, and then I'm going to give him a grade on how well he listened to me. Okay. Well, um, I didn't know I was going to be graded, but yeah. uh, okay, uh, let's go. Yeah. Let's just go for it. So, uh, Sunday's sermon was about... What is love? And it's like there's even a song I think even you mentioned. Yeah. Yes, um, and it was based on uh, based in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Uh, the points. The first point was love is not about you; it's about others. The second point: love is not about affirmation; love is about truth. And the third point was that love is not a short-term goal; it is an eternal reality. Mm-hmm. How am I doing so far? Yeah, I mean. The content's there, but the <laughs> pizzazz. You're missing the pizzazz of it. The pizzazz. Okay, maybe I should try again. Should I try again? Sure, sure, yeah. Love is not about you. Better, better. It is about others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got bumped up a letter grade. I okay. I mean, it was, it still got to work on it, but right. it's okay. You're in training. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I thought it was a, a really great sermon, and it was uh, timely. Uh, even, uh, especially on the heels of uh, Pastor Lee's sermon from the mm-hmm. previous week, uh, really sort of ended off uh, that sermon with, you know, be sure that you stand firm, that you're courageous and, and strong, uh, do these things in love. And then the next question naturally is, what is love? Which what is, was the title of What the does sermon. that even mean? Right. Like, how can we do this? Yeah. Like, uh, and now, unfortunately, none of us can just plead ignorance because now we all know. Now we all know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, actually, I wasn't even planning on preaching that sermon that day. Uh, I was planning on doing that the next week. Uh, but because Lee preached on that that passage and ended on do everything in love, I'm like, this is the time. Yep. Here we go. <laughs> right. We're going to do it. <laughs> uh, well, I, I really thought the intro uh, was was very good. Uh, you gave us some background information. Uh, so maybe we should mm-hmm. read at least that first uh, first part of that passage, and then kind of just dive. You're talking right about in. the the percussion thing, or yeah, the, the percussion okay, thing. Okay. Uh, and yeah. uh, I mean, it might be obvious, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, I also was in percussion. Uh, yes, in I was school. a percussionist. Jacob was a percussionist. Yep. Nikolai, you were a trumpet. 
Yeah, I was a trumpet, so yeah. I have nothing to do with you guys. Yeah. One of those trumpet players. <laughs> yeah. Um, they think they're better than everyone. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, especially that one trumpet player that tries to play like that super high note, mm-hmm. but they can't quite hit it. Was that you, Nicola? No, but I definitely saw some people that tried to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all play the, uh, what's that Christmas song that every band plays with the little horse trumpet part? Oh yeah, I did that. You did that, yeah, yeah. yeah the um, ah, what's that song called? I can't think of it. Anyways, there's like a trumpet part. Was like, yeah. pretty sure it's sleigh ride. Sleigh yeah, ride. That's yeah, that's, 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 that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the guy. You were the tr- you were the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yep. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's dive in, shall yeah. we? All yeah. right. First Corinthians thirteen, verses one through three. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. But have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so one of the things that you talked about uh, to sort of introduce the the topic of love uh, was to point out that using gongs and cymbals is a way that the pagans uh, mm-hmm. would actually worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting. That really kind of adds a whole other layer of meaning yeah, to the um, passage. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about it. I was reading a John MacArthur commentary, and he was, uh, I can't remember the names of them, but he listed off the different pagan deities that were worshipped at the time, and they would speak in like ecstatic noises, mm. um, which you know goes to the, if I speak in human tongues or angelic tongues, uh, so basically, you have all these pagan things. So, like in, in the pagan culture, you had ecstatic noises, and you had these clanging gongs, and you had these um, uh, clashing cymbals, and they even had blaring trumpets, and that's how they they worship their pagan deities. And and Paul to the Corinth church was basically correlating it like one to one to them. Mm-hmm. It's like in the same way they have ecstatic noises. Let's say you are speaking in angelic tongues, uh, which he goes on to talk a little bit more about in the next chapter. Um, but let's say you have that, and let's say it's the, the most profound thing in the world. Um, if there's no love, then you're just you've got all the junk that they got, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's no different. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. we kind of talked yeah. about last week, how mm-hmm. um, you know in the whole context of you know the beyond your guard and the stand firm and all that was really in the context of there's all this pagan junk in Corinth, and the church was having a hard time differentiating the pagan stuff from their stuff. And so Paul's, just, again, just making that correlation of like, this is how you can distinguish it um, between it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, love is the big difference maker mm-hmm. uh, between believers. And then uh, for them, especially their their pagan culture, pagan religions and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's also, I mean, even for us, um, you know, it's also a uh, sort of a different image that we get. I, I don't know about you, but... Um, have have your kids ever for like a birthday or Christmas? It's it's never you that gets it for your children, but usually it's a relative, I know what you're like an about. uncle. You know where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah, where? Uh, oh yes, uh, I have a great idea. Let's get for our nieces and nephews this uh, kids music set, and it's got like all the percussion things that you don't want to hear yeah. in your house yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, one Lottie got was a uh, a toy guitar, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Randy's mom 
got it for. So if you're watching this, Donita, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but that guitar is the loudest thing in the world, and there's no volume on it. It just oh, yeah. it just goes as loud as possible. Yeah. Um, another one that she got was this like little dance mat, and you would think. You think manufacturers, it's like they know nothing about kids. Um, so this dance mat starts starts up, and it plays music, and, and you, you dance on it. And it starts up at the loudest possible volume. You can turn it down, but you have to go manually turn it down. The moment you turn it off and turn it back on, it resets to the loudest volume possible. <laughs> And you know, kids, they turn things on and off and on and off oh, yeah. and on and off. And so we have Judson trying to sleep in the other room and Lottie's like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> and you go over there and turn it down. But then she just turns it off and turns it back on and it's just as loud again. You, <laughs> She's doing an eye roll like, I know how to make it louder. <laughs> yeah. You would think that manufacturers would make it quiet and then with the option to turn it up, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, what they really need to do is uh, is start to put the volume control, like, where the batteries go. So it's behind, like, yeah. you know, four Phillips head screws <laughs> and locked away and can't be messed with or mm-hmm. tampered with unless you have the proper tools. Yes. Um, yes. But anyway, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, whenever I read, you know, noisy gong, clanging cymbal, I immediately go to kids' toys, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, especially those music ones. Man, uh yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so one of the things that uh, that you also kind of brought up in the introduction is if if love is not supporting or propelling the things that we do, the things that uh, we do, even the religious things that we do, uh, it's going to it derails everything that we work mm-hmm. towards and work for. Um, can you kind of expand uh, on yeah. that a little bit for us? So, so the my opening illustration was you know about like simple players, so, mm-hmm. so we're percussionists. And, um, you know, when we play the crash cymbals, which isn't as easy as it looks, by the <laughs> way, to, like, make crash cymbals sound good. You got two, yeah. like, hunks of metal. Yeah. Uh, how to make two hunks of metal sound good. <clears throat> but uh, they usually play the least amount of notes in the entire band. Mm-hmm. However, they might be the most important part yeah. uh, because they can, with that one note, make everything sound beautiful, and, and put a nice cherry on top, or they can just ruin the entire thing and usually give it to the worst guy <laughs> in the percussion. It's thing. ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, my, my band director would say, um, uh, he would say, don't even read the music. He's like, just look at me. I will point at you <laughs> when it's time. He's not leaving anything to chance. Nothing it's, to chance it's at usually, all. And, uh, I know you, I'm pretty sure you mentioned it in the, the first service. I'm not, I can't remember if you did in the second, but the, um, the, for those cymbal players, Usually, it's not crazy to see on a piece of sheet music in concert band where you have like 85 mm-hmm. measures of rest uh, yep. first, and you have to count all of those mm-hmm. if your band director is not going to be mm-hmm. nice and <laughs> yeah. point at you when Yeah, you got to just pick one, two, three, four. Two, 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 two three, three, four, three, all the way. <laughs> 84, two, yeah. three, four. <laughs> yeah, there was one time uh, in high school where I, was, I had the crash cymbal part uh, for <laughs> for one of our concert pieces, mm-hmm. there were 98 measures of rest first. <laughs> yep. It was like, oh my gosh. So, But after a while, you just kind of learn the song and then you yep. know, yep. know where to come in. But What's even better, um, not getting too off track, in college I played with symphony uh, orchestras where you get paid 
uh, to do that, which is very cool. <laughs> uh, add some connections, and uh, they had, they need some extra parts one time, or whenever they do need extra parts, my percussion instructor would call me, and um, we go play, and we get paid, and everything is unionized in uh, orchestras and symphonies, um, so you get set standard pay. You get paid X amount for rehearsals, X amount for each performance. And uh, the great thing is because it's unionized, everyone gets paid the same. So I'm over here playing three crash cymbals. (laughs) And you got the violinist over here playing a million notes. And we're going home with the same paycheck. (laughs) It's just great. Yes. Because for me, what's what's not as important is... um, uh, you know, it's like we talked about last week with security guards. It's um, they're only on one percent of the time, but they have to be on the other ninety-nine percent of the time in order to catch the one percent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing with the crash uh, symbols. You gotta, you're only on for a few notes, but you have to be on for those rest times to make sure that you're in the right place for those other few notes. So, anyways, all that says, um, yeah, crash symbols can can either really enhance the piece or completely derail the piece and in the same way love uh can completely derail everything and and paul really uses some some harsh language mm-hmm. um he doesn't he doesn't say like you know if you do these things without love then you're just not you're not doing as well as you could now he goes he says if i'm not doing things with love i am nothing yep. uh, it's like if i'm not uh, you know, if I sell my possessions, if I, you know, give my body over to be burned, but I'm not doing it with love, like I'm gaining nothing, like zero. Yeah. And so it's it's not a matter of you're doing well, but you could be doing a little bit better. It's a matter of you're not even doing well. Mm-hmm. Like you're not even in the ballpark. Right. Um, yeah. And it's not that those other things are bad. Mm-hmm. It's just devoid of love. It it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, again, like if you were to, so so the three examples he gives is one the our speech and our worship. Mm-hmm. Um, the the second one is like knowledge and wisdom and and faith. Uh, without love is nothing, and um, like our selling our possessions or giving our bodies over to be burned, which I I kind of correlate with like works mm-hmm. and like the good things we do. Um, all is nothing, and and I think what he's getting at here is that without love, again, all, anyone can do those things, mm-hmm. right? Like like anyone can go to college and get knowledge. Like like there's atheists who are smarter in the Bible than we are, probably. Um, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there's atheists that, that yeah, dedicate their lives. I know um, what you mean. Yeah. Uh, if seminaries let them. I, I want to say I know of an atheist that actually has a seminary degree because they wanted to like learn about the Bible mm-hmm. so that way they can they can argue it better, and um, and so there's there's tons of people who have all the knowledge in the world of the mm-hmm. Bible. Satan, yep, Satan's a great example. He even knows the Bible better than most of us do. Um, now he's missing the whole point, right? But he knows it. Uh, and, um, you know, some of our possessions, there's tons of like secular non-Christian mm-hmm. organizations that do philanthropy and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, Mr. Beast probably gives away more money, uh, than most churches combined, uh, just by himself. Um, and so uh, to do those things, you don't have to, to be Christian to do right. those things. Um, and, and so I think what Paul's getting at is like, the Christian aspect of it is what drives it. What's the motivating factor of it um, is love, and he's going to define exactly what that means. But but if you don't have love there, 
then it's like you're no you're no different than these guys. Right. Right? It's like yeah. Yeah, and that's even what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. Uh, the world will know uh, that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And actually, I meant to mention that verse <laughs> at the very end, and I just forgot. Hey, you know, yeah. sorry, we're getting it now. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, it's a defining mark of who it is that we are supposed to be. Um, so, we should probably define it and figure out yeah. what exactly that means. And that's the great thing. Yeah. That, that's the beautiful thing about all this is like I think I think God knew that we were going to be dense mm-hmm. um, and try to insert our own definitions. And so it's not like he just gives like some hints about what love is. He literally gives a definition of what love is exactly. And it's in this passage. We get like a whole chapter of yeah. what love is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, was it Merriam's dictionary? Yeah, uh, Merriam-Webster. Yeah, uh, right here. Yeah, exactly. Which, by the way, I looked up what is love um, in the dictionary. Uh, oh. It didn't even it didn't even put this. What the heck? Really? Yeah. Um, uh, it was it was mainly more talking about like romantic like attraction and and stuff like that. Right. Like deep feelings of of emotion or, or whatnot. Yeah. Which is a, a kind of a it's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, uh, in the in the Greek world, right, they had more than one word for love, mm-hmm. right? And they were Did they like four or five. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were different kinds of love. Mm-hmm. And so it was very, very clear based on the word which sort of love it was that, that mm-hmm. they were talking about and referring to. For us, we have one. We have like mm-hmm. one word for one word. love, and that's it. It's and, the same, I love my wife, <laughs> I love torchies. Right. Uh, hopefully not in the same way. Yeah, it's right. the same word. Right, <laughs> right. Hopefully it's two different types of love. Right, um, right. Hopefully, if not, that might be awkward. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and so it's uh, it can be confusing for us. Like, mm-hmm. and, and really for us to know what sort of love it is that we're talking about, it really depends on, like, the context of what it is that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, which... It's tricky. It's hard. It, sometimes it's hard to be an English speaker you know, because we <laughs> yes. only have the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's go on and get into it. Sure. So uh, what does love even mean? Uh, more importantly, how does God define love? Uh, we need to, you, you pointed this out, we need to understand what love is so we can show the world what love is. Mm-hmm. But without us knowing, without us uh, acting uh, love out, the rest of the world is, is clueless. Yeah. Yeah, and I heard... So, uh, I can't remember who I was listening to. I was listening to someone, and they said that they heard a uh, as a professor or a master once to say, like, if if someone if if you're in a conversation with someone and you leave that conversation, and they say, and and their their thought isn't, man, I feel the love of God or anything other than that, then then you failed in that conversation. And and the guy actually went against that. And so that that wasn't true because there's many other attributes of God, mm-hmm. like you got God's holiness, God's just, and and so on and so forth. And I would uh, I would lean a little bit more towards that that assumption is correct. Of um, if you leave conversation and they don't walk away thinking that I've experienced the love of God, um, then then something went wrong in that conversation. Now the problem is is that they they may have a misunderstanding of what God's love is. Right. Right. Um, because God's just and holiness is part of his his love. Like right. we're gonna see here, um, if you have a conversation where you are having to to have some hard truth moments, that fits very well within the definition of mm-hmm. love. And there's gonna be people that that don't see it that way, but that's not because 
God's love isn't being shown is because there's a misunderstanding of what God's love even is. Right. Well, and it, it really goes back to um, our confusion, the cultural confusion that we have about what love even is. Hmm. I think uh, a lot of the times, uh, we may be getting ahead just a little bit, um, you know, this uh, probably could fit in a lot of different places mm-hmm. as we're in our discussion, but a lot of times we associate love with feelings. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. And if it makes me feel good, then I feel loved. Yeah. But that's not always going to be the case, right? No. Right. No. <laughs> because no. some, it, it's not like fun to be told hard truths, for example. Right? right. It might not leave you feeling like you've been loved. All right. Well, and that's where you know, you'll have people say the statement of like, you know, marriages or like relationships. You know, we've all heard it where it's like, hey, I love you but I'm not in love with you. <laughs> so, well, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And what the, essentially what that boils down to is like, like the feeling is gone. Right. And uh, that's, that's one thing that I love about this passage. None of it's feelings-based right. at all. Right. Like, and, and feelings aren't bad. We've said this before. Mm-hmm. Feelings are good. They're just not reliable. Right. And so it's like if, if my whole marriage is based on how I feel about Randy, um, that's not setting it up for success because let's be honest, we don't wake up every day with butterflies in our stomach. Right. Um, right. She certainly wouldn't wake up every day with butterflies about me um, after, you know. <laughs> when she's been up all night cleaning the house and you got to go to sleep early and <laughs> hey, with the promise. Hey, so. <laughs> hey. And by the way, but okay, we're, hey, hey, hey. we'll get there. We'll get there. I'll defend myself on that. <laughs> Um, but you know, if, if it's all based on feelings, that's like such an, that's such an unreasonable expectation um, to have, to just base an entire marriage. We're talking about hopefully 40 to 50 years of marriage and to just assume we're going to have those feelings every single day of that. That's just unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I love, uh, in this definition of love, it doesn't even broach the topic of feelings. It's all about like, like what are you, like what's your viewpoint towards them? How are you interacting with them? And then um, at, at the end, which we'll get into, it's it's about how it's going to like bear all things and endure all things, um, even in the hard times. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So even in a lot of ways, love is about what we do and how we act despite our feelings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you kind of talked about that uh, mm-hmm. in the sermon. So, all right. So the first, the first point: love is not about you; it's about others. Mm-hmm. Which really, in a big way, gets you know we flowed right into it with yeah. the with the feelings mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, feelings are about you, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how is it that I feel yeah. uh, in this moment? And if uh, this other person isn't making me feel like how I want to feel or how I. feel, feel like they should be making me feel, mm-hmm. then that's really about you yep. and not about others, right? Um, I've explained it. So uh, when I taught high school, uh, sometimes I'd have conversation with, with kids and, um, and they, you know, have, uh, one of them would make a statement about, oh, uh, I just, uh, I've got this boyfriend, there's a girl's talking and I've got this boyfriend and I just don't know if I love him anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you probably don't and you probably never did. But yeah. uh, but what they're referring to feelings, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, I drew a graph uh, on the board, you know, imparting some wisdom to the youth of America mm-hmm. uh, and showed, okay, so here's your chart and here's 
time is at the bottom and then you have feelings is on the side. It's like, okay, usually you start out up here, everybody's Twitter pated and oh, so many good butterfly feelings. Uh, and then what happens when the feelings start to decline and go down, you know, and I was uh, really trying to relate it more to to marriage for them than mm -hmm. uh, dating relationships because when you're dating you're not married to them and mm -hmm. so anyway um, so you know what do you do whenever you're you're down here well and then they say well that's then you don't love them anymore like <laughs> no yeah. wrong uh, I mean like I maybe, feel bad for know. their future it, relationships yeah, yeah. right so uh, but I explained to them no it's really more the commitment to mm -hmm. that other person you mm -hmm. know in in a romantic relationship it's it's less about feelings because they're fickle uh, mm -hmm. and they they're not consistent. Instead, it's about the commitment, right? Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, that's more what uh, what that sort of love is. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're getting a little bit off. Nicholas yeah, heard yeah. me teach on dating more than he would like to remember. Uh, but like a lot of time, like just a basic biology lesson mm -hmm. would fix a lot of this, right? Like yep. hormones, all that stuff going on. And all that's not bad. God gave us all those things, Um like, you know, oxytocin, you know, bonding to people, all that's good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, uh, our culture gets out of whack a little bit. Yeah. And so, so really, you want to make sure, okay, you're aligned with your core values and you even just like the other person. You just like being around them. <laughs> Figure that out first and then allow all those hormones to swoop in and, and you know, bond you together and, and do all those things. And so that way, inevitably, when, when it does start to ebb and flow, because that's life mm -hmm. and that's our bodies, when it does start to ebb and flow, here's what usually happens um, in dating or in marriage or whatnot. They're swooped up by all these hormones and all these feelings. They get married or they start dating, it's all great, it's all great. Then those hormones, feelings start to go away. And when they start to go away, they realize, I don't even like you. <laughs> it's like, I don't even like being around you <laughs> now that those feelings are gone. Um, and so it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm out of love with you. But if if you you find out, okay, you do like this person, you just like being around them, not on the feelings basis, but like you just truly enjoy being around them. Um, and you, you align uh, on your core values and all those things. Now, when those feelings go through seasons of waning, when when the shore goes out, you still like being around the person. Like even if even if you know all those like gushy feelings maybe aren't as strong in that moment, you still just like being around them. Yep. Um, anyways, I've, it's helpful. Not, not not really pertinent to this conversation. But. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, so. Uh, Getting back to the point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> love is not about you; it's about others. Yeah. Which that, yeah, that all fits under mm -hmm. there uh, somewhere. Um, but you know, you really talked about uh, you know how practical that is. Uh, that point is in marriage and family. How it's not so much about you know being so self-focused and self-centered that you're looking to be uh, to fill yourself up, but rather you're committed to filling up the other person, mm -hmm. and then. On, on the other side, they're committed to filling you up at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, do you have other thoughts or uh, want to expand any more on that? Uh, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> it's really important. So, um, so we're not designed to be selfish creatures. Right. Our simple nature makes us selfish, mm -hmm. but we're not designed to be selfish. The, the people that you see that are selfish are some of the most miserable people mm -hmm. in the world. And the people that you see that are generous and and open-handed and looking to serve others, those are some of the most satisfied people in the world, which is usually whenever I'm talking to people about jobs 
mm-hmm. and stuff and like careers that they're looking for. Like one of the things that you look for in the career is how, how are you going to serve others in this career? Mm-hmm. Because if your whole job is about how you better yourself, you're going to get miserable pretty quick um, because because we're designed to serve others. Um, there's actually an interesting um, uh, observation Simon Sinek, uh, business philosopher guy made um, about oxytocin, uh, which is like one of the feel-good chemicals that bond us to other people. And he said that, um, like, let's say you, you see someone fall down on the side of the street and um, you go over there to help them up. Right. So you're helping them. That, that makes you feel better. Right. They're being helped. That makes them feel better. And now anyone that's walking by, you're like, good on you, man. Now that's making everyone else around you feel better. So like it's like acts of selfless love not only lift you up, not only lift the other person up, but lifts everyone else around mm-hmm. you up. Anyways, all I'd say is we're 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 built and we're hardwired to not be self seeking, but our simple nature pushes in selfishness. So the tricky part about marriage is coming to an agreement that um, I am not going to be selfish in this marriage. I'm going to look out for your best needs. But then what, what happens? Well, now you've, you've got needs and you've got things that you've got to have taken care of. And if you're 100% of the time looking out for the needs of the other person, well, now you run dry pretty quick, which is where an agreement now has to come into play of in the same way that I'm going to look out for you and pour myself out for you, you are going to look out for me and pour yourself out for me. And what that does is, is at the same time, at the same time that I'm being completely selfless in my thoughts and in my actions and in my life, I am also being completely filled and mm-hmm. uh, having all my needs met. And so it's the best of both worlds. Because like, if you're, why, why are we selfish? Because we want all of our needs met. And marriage, if done right, you are at the same time having all of the benefits of having all your needs met while at the same time having none of the side effects of the selfishness aspect of it and all the benefits of being selfless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and that one of the biggest pushbacks I get to that is, well, you know, my spouse won't do it. And so therefore, like I, you know, I, I run dry pretty quick. I get burned out pretty quick. And, you know, man, I, I know a lot of y'all are probably in that situation. Um, and so that's where d- does that give you a pass on being selfless in your marriage if your spouse is unwilling to reciprocate that? Uh, no. Um, and, and I'm going to tread lightly here um, because uh, I'm not even going to pretend to know what y'all's uh, relationships are like. But if if you're in a situation where your spouse is not willing to be selfless and meet your needs, then now we just have to be a little bit more creative um, and find a way to get your cup filled elsewhere. Hmm. Um, and so, so I think your job is still to look out for the best needs of your spouse and to pour yourself out and to be selfless in that. And then in the times that you can be creative to figure out where you can fill your cup. And I think a great place is the church, mm-hmm. um, and community. That's usually, if I'm talking to, to anyone that, that their spouse is just, they're not a Christian, not kind, not doing well in the marriage. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll encourage them to do is if it's a lady, get in a group of ladies 
um, to where you can pour into each other if it's got to get with a group of guys. Uh, just just get in a community. So that way, you know, one night a week, two nights a week, whatever, um, one hour a day, whatever, you can you can go over to your safe haven, be poured into, and be filled up and ready to go right back yeah. into to the the war zone, if right. you will. And uh, Paul even talks about that mm-hmm. in Scripture uh, in regard to uh, marriages between Christians and, and those who uh, aren't believers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he basically says, yeah, if, um, you know, if you do have uh, a spouse who is not a believer, and if they're willing to continue in, this, in the marriage with you, um, then, yeah, perhaps uh, through that marriage, the, the unbelieving spouse might be saved, mm-hmm. right? And how, how does that uh, how does that work? Well, it's because they see the selfless love mm-hmm. that that the believer pours into. In this case, the unbelieving spouse uh, is one of the ways uh, mm-hmm. that that you know that actually might be pulled off. Yeah, and he even goes. Um, I don't think in that passage, but and, and not in the context of marriage, but uh, Paul and I think even Peter talks about this, um, where if you can have this selfless love in the midst of being treated poorly. Then that itself can be like oh, I think they phrase it like you know, coals heaped on their head mm-hmm. um, of like hopefully like a like a jarring wake up call to them. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, in a lot of ways that's the easier part mm-hmm. is uh, trying uh, to love others who love us back, yep. or, or at least you know in that in a marital relationship. What about people we disagree with in the world? Uh, what mm. about uh, what about those uh, our enemies? Right? Uh, Jesus yeah. uh, even says, you know, love your enemies, do mm-hmm. good to those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which, which is a funny um, passage um, where he says, um, you know, you've heard it said, um, uh, what was it? Oh gosh, uh, it's. On. Uh, uh, oh L- love gosh. your neighbor, yeah, but hate your enemy. Yeah, but I say love your neighbor yeah. and pray for your enemies. Um, if you go back to that original command, it mentions nothing about enemies. Mm-hmm. It only mentions about neighbors. Right. It's like love your neighbor, and they they, they just inserted. <laughs> okay, well, if he still wants to love his neighbor, then it's like the um, what's that thing called the uh, uh, the negative inference fallacy, mm-hmm. um, where because he's telling me to love his na- love our neighbors then the negative inference of that would be to hate my enemy. Right. So he's telling us to love or hate, hate our enemy. It's like, that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's not what I said. And so Jesus is like course correcting that yeah. misinterpretation of that, that passage and saying like, like no, no, yes, <laughs> lo- love your neighbor, also love your enemy. Right. Um, and, and that was even uh, a question then that, that he's asked elsewhere in the mm-hmm. Gospels too. Uh, one of the, I think it's a <laughs> Who scri- is our neighbor? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> What sort of a loophole can I find yeah, right. here? Uh, yeah. Yes, who is my neighbor? And then mm-hmm. Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, and then he poses the question right back, right? Which one was that man's neighbor? It's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, the one who, who helped him, right? I roll. It, I don't think they actually said, oh, the Samaritan was. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it was the guy who did all the things to help the, the man who was beaten and left for dead on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, basically that guy was, was the neighbor, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before that um, uh, all of our frustrations in life and all of our 
irritability usually gets funneled towards one of two types of people, the people you're closest to or the people that you're most distant to. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's wired a little bit different in that. And so there's some people that will go home and lash out on their family, um, all their frustrations. And then there's other people that have no problem interacting with their family, but they'll lash out on total strangers. Yeah. and so, so we're kind of covering those two different topics. Like, like one right. is how, how do you love and interact with your family? The other is how do you love and interact with those around you? And it's probably good to know, like, like which, which type are you? Are, are you that person that has a hard time dealing with your family um, and your irritability? Or you have a, are you a person that has a hard time dealing with uh, strangers? And then kind of hone in on that. Um, but, yeah, so yeah get, getting into to loving people that you're, you disagree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in the, we didn't read those verses yet either. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that might be My good to, yeah. to read the actual definition. <laughs> right. First uh, Corinthians 13, verses 4 and 5. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Mm-hmm. So, and I think... Oh, and uh, it does not keep... Oh, resentful. resentful. Oh, my, my mind says does not keep a record of wrongs. Right. And resentful. Yeah, right. Similar. Yeah. Sort of the same thing, just expressed yeah. well, slightly yeah. differently. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, and then from there, um, we, uh, at least before uh, we really dove into the point, he said uh, in the sermon, how you view and talk and treat other people, especially in times of disagreement or conflict, is what's in view here. Yeah. It's like very rarely, you know, do you need to be patient with somebody or kind with somebody who's being patient and kind with you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's implied that if you're if you're having to be told be patient and kind, it's implied that you're in a situation in which you need to be patient and kind and you only be patient with someone when everyone's going everything's going great or yeah, great. Uh, patience is whenever you know things are falling apart a little bit right. and there's disagreement happening. Yeah, and I I really like uh, so normally I like reading the the ESV mm-hmm. uh, version, but I really really like the way that the CSB. No, oh, well, I mean <laughs> I, I like the CSB as well. Yeah. Um, but the way that the New King James puts this, oh, okay, uh, I really like uh-huh. um, because for us patience. I mean, like I don't know about you, I you know the thought of patience. It's like okay, yeah, I can be patient. Well, like what does patience even mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think. You know, as a society, we're very good at patience. Mm-hmm. It's like fast food, for mm-hmm. example. Um, if uh, there's a reason, water burger. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly where I was going with that. Especially in Azel, you uh, bless yeah. their hearts. Yeah. Um, I don't even go there anymore. Yeah, you've got to know if unless it's like a a time that's not a, a mm-hmm. popular meal time, mm-hmm. like. If you go through the drive-through, you're looking at 30 minutes. Oh yeah, could, and that's on the low side. I could go to a sit-down restaurant and be in and out faster than <laughs> right. <in> the water worker. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like Chick-fil-A, there's a reason we mm-hmm. like Chick-fil-A so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's first off, it's delicious chicken. But there could be like three or four lanes wide of cars, and you're basically moving the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they're super fast. Even when you're doing your order, yeah. you're moving while you're ordering. Yeah, that's right. They, yeah, they walk with you <laughs> yeah. with their little, with their tablets. And they get and, mad at you if you don't. They're yeah. like, pull for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, we need to keep this yeah. going. And yeah. we we like that. We appreciate that, right? Patience isn't something we're very good at. They're like, it's my pleasure to admonish you to <laughs> right. move forward. Right. Yeah. Move forward in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even, um, you know, uh, 
buying things, saving up to, to make a, a bigger purchase, right? We don't have time for that. Who's got time for that? Like, I'm only credit getting cards. older. Yeah, yeah, yep. Credit mm-hmm. cards or, you know, I want to ha- hold whatever it is in my hands right now. Mm-hmm. And and so I don't have... Oh, man. Instant gratification. Oh, yeah. 100%. I'll, like, so I'll look up something on Amazon, and it could be like 10 20% cheaper on Amazon. But if I can go to Best Buy and get it today... Yep. I'll spend the extra 10% yeah. to go get it today because I want today. Yeah. I mean, and Amazon's like, we'll get it to you tomorrow morning. I'm like, I can't wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> I, want I want it, it now. Today. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we don't tend to be very patient, I don't think. But the way that the New King James uh, phrases patience here, it's love suffers long mm-hmm. and is kind. And that really kind of brings a whole nother set of like assumptions to this word patience, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. It's like sometimes love means that there's going to be, you know, a, a measure of suffering involved. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be a suffering that lasts for an afternoon mm-hmm. or an evening, right? When we're talking about talking about loving other people, it says love suffers long, right? Love is patient. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for us, uh you know, it's it'd be really, really easy just to sort of say, "Hey, uh, I I expect right for uh, my love towards somebody else in a particular situation to really cause some instant change," mm-hmm. but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I have to suffer long, uh, and we don't. I don't think we like that uh, very much because we want that instant gratification and to see those results quicker. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't just have to be in a marital relationship; it could be. Uh, you have, um, you know, somebody that's close to you or that you know that has a uh, a problem with uh, drug or alcohol addiction, for example. Well, chances are, you know, if you have, let's say you have an intervention or something, you know, I mean, what's going to be the change right then and there? Well, there might be one, mm-hmm. but also a lot of these things have to play themselves out yeah. over time. Yeah, and uh, when you're doing marital fights, raising kids, mm-hmm. um, really anything, um, it's not going to get solved overnight. Right. Yeah, so like if if you and your spouse have differing, like, like let's say your spouse, let's say me, um, I, <laughs> one of the things that <laughs> hypothetically. Randy, hi, hypothetically <laughs> me, um, Randy uh, hates that I wear shoes in the house. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I've just, I've, I would sleep in my shoes if I could. Uh, and Randy, the moment she walks through the door, shoes are off. And, and that's a a thing for me. It's just, it's just how I grew up. Um, and it's, it's so embedded in me. And so she has to suffer along um, (laughs) very much with me. But here's the thing is that I think sometimes, uh, with our kids or with our marriages Mm -hmm. or with whatever, we get into to one disagreement where we, we talk about it. And then we think, all right, from now on, they're not going to do that anymore. But you've got years and years and years and years of habits mm-hmm. that are built up. And likely one conversation isn't going to change those habits. Um, and not even in a malicious way, but just in like, it's just ingrained in you. Is what it is. Kind yeah. Of and um, and so so Randy can, can do one of two things. She can, you know, we can have that conversation. And then get frustrated every single time I do it after that, or suffer long and like let's have the conversation again, knowing that that like you said, like in an, an, an intervention about my shoes, um, 
uh, is likely not going to be fixed overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, some people quit cold turkey on, on stuff, but yeah, a lot yeah. of times it's it's a long, hard process of undoing years of baggage. Um, and the same way in our marriage, like like having that patience with your spouse, knowing that, that whatever y'all are working at to, to come meet in the middle mm-hmm. on that, that you're undoing years and years yeah. of habits and baggage um, and having empathy through that. And accountability, mm-hmm. but empathy and right. kindness and long suffering through it. Yeah, and I, I think it's really encouraging to, uh, especially we you know we talked about earlier the the feelings, the emotions uh, that we tend to associate with with love. And when we think of love, we don't tend to think of suffering. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think it's encouraging that if we're experiencing a season of suffering with uh, with a spouse or somebody that we know. Um, and we're, we are suffering through that, whether it's marital problems or, uh, like, you know, with shoes in the house mm-hmm. or whatever, that that's a mark of love. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's very encouraging uh, to know um, mm-hmm. that, okay, uh, I'm showing uh, this other person my love by suffering with them or, or uh, suffering long or being patient mm-hmm. with them because um, that's more of the negative uh, mm-hmm. emotion but it's also love at the same time. That's what Scripture tells us. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go for three hours today. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, let's move on. All right. Uh, this, so the first point, uh, just to recap, love is not about you. It's about others. The second point, love is not about affirmation. Love, oh, one, one oh. second. Let's go back because I, I got to defend myself real quick. Okay. So, so, so I gave the, uh, the, the example of... Uh, we need to clean the house uh, oh, okay, for, the, yeah. for the babysitter um, to come over yes. the next day. Go ahead. Take it away. And um, <laughs> as I was saying this illustration, I'm like, man, I look really bad right now in this illustration. So, for, for example, or he, he, here was the example. Our babysitter was coming over the next day. It was a long day. The kids got into bed late. I just wanted to go to bed. So, I crawled in bed. And then immediately, my wife came in and said that we had to clean the house because the babysitter was coming the next day. I didn't want to get up. But the house needed to be clean, and so, um, uh, someone. So, so the the agreement that we came to. So we didn't both dig in, and I didn't force her to clean the whole house by herself, and she didn't force me to get up. The creative solution we came to is let's divvy up the responsibilities. She cleans uh, what she wants to do tonight. I'll wake up early in the morning and clean. Someone, <laughs> someone came up to Randy. Uh, I don't know who. Someone came up to her. And asked her, did he actually get up and clean? <laughs> that was going to be my question as well. <laughs> With full integrity <laughs> and a clear conscience, I can tell you I got up the next morning and I cleaned everything that I said I was going to clean. Okay. It's, well, I'm glad that, uh, you know, the air is cleared. The air we're, is cleared. We're all wondering and worried. Yes. Um, I am a man of my word. <laughs> and I cleaned it. Excellent. Yes. Good job, Chris. We never had any doubts. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, do you feel uh, or are you uh, fully defended uh, on that one? I, I think you so. think so. I okay. Think so. All right. Yeah. Uh, maybe we should ask Randy. Uh, can we get her on the phone, Nikolai? <laughs> can we get her on the phone and verify this uh, story? Yes. I don't want to be on Chris's bad side. <laughs> I'm fully defended and still a little bit embarrassed to admit that I didn't want to get up and clean. <laughs> I mean, what you see is what you get. Yeah, you know? yeah. Ugh. Hey, safe space. 
we are completely authentic here. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is good. All right. So point two, mm-hmm. uh, love is not about affirmation. Love is about truth. And the passage uh, was the very next verse, 1 Corinthians thirteen six. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And so you brought up that uh, the culture and what the culture has to say about uh, mm-hmm. love and particularly what the culture has to say about love and how it sort of uh, bonds itself to uh, Christianity or uh, to God, the Bible. So uh, the culture says God is love. The Bible promotes love, not judgment. Jesus called us to love, period. Mm-hmm. And so those statements you said in the sermon, uh, like we don't, none of us would disagree with those statements mm, at yeah. all. It's what, a, what does that statement actually mean yeah. is the, the big question. So uh, for the culture, what that means is if you love me, then you will affirm my decisions. You will affirm the things that I do. You will affirm who it is that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what does scripture say? Uh, about that. I mean, you, you just, yeah, read, we just it. read it. Yeah, right. love finds no joy. Here's my version. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a matter of if you're going to drag God, Jesus, the Bible into the this discussion on love, then now you have to use the Bible's definition of right. love. Um, you can't just drag them in and then throw whatever definition you want on that, which, by the way, I think is a lot of what um, the third commandment was getting at. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Mm-hmm. It's like, like don't, don't take the Lord's name and then throw whatever agenda you want on top of that, um, much more than is, you know, just using his name as a curse word, which mm-hmm. I don't think is a good thing to do right, either. Right. Um, uh, but, I mean, Hitler did that. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he took, he kind of usurped um, Christianity and then twisted it just enough to to serve his agenda in yeah. that. And you even see, um, I saw a video today um, that talked about how uh, that's what Satan did with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, in the wilderness, when he was tempting him, he quoted scripture, and he, but he was taking the scripture out of context mm-hmm. and uh, trying to get it to serve his agenda and, and what he was trying to do with Jesus. And, and that's the way Satan's just always tempted people. And that's the way he's always deceived people. He's taken God's word and just twisted it just enough mm-hmm. to where they can now view their own ideologies through that. So instead of, you know, we talked about last week, I Jesus and next Jesus. Yep. So instead of coming to God's word with it, exegesis mindset of what is God trying to tell me, we're coming to it with an eisegesis of what can I make this say? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that's happening a lot with, with the word love. Right, exactly. And uh, this whole idea of, of affirmation, of uh, what it really boils down to is people want to do the things that they want to do, and they want to be affirmed. Like there's like, like we live in a no shame culture, mm-hmm. right? Where, uh, no, if if in any way anybody feels ashamed, that in and of itself is like the worst thing that could ever mm-hmm. possibly happen. Right? Yeah. Which is, so we've talked about this before on the podcast where um, a lot of like secular culture um, and secular ideologies have like religious undertones to mm-hmm. it. Yep. And one of the, the big religious undertones of Christianity is that we have a guilt and a shame from our sin that we can't wash clean. Um, only Jesus can wash us clean of that. Mm-hmm. 
And I think if I was to get, um, if I was to psychoanalyze this of the no shame culture is um, there's lots of shame and guilt from the things that we choose to do as humans. And without God, you can't get rid of that. And so because you can't get rid of that, I think the goal is now let's just redefine everything Mm -hmm. and create a no shame culture because then my shame will be lifted. Right. My, My guilt will be lifted absent God, and of course that won't work. Right. Uh, it doesn't work. Um, but yeah. And Romans 1 talks about that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, though uh, those who are in the world like know that God is there, right? Uh, I mean, creation mm-hmm. itself speaks uh, of God and, and uh, indicates to us that there is a creator. Yeah, uh, uh, law of God's written on our hearts. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that they don't uh, th- those who are in the world don't uh, honor God or, or, or give uh, the glory and, and honor that's due to Him and to His name. And then uh, Romans 1 uh, even goes further down. Uh, Romans one thirty two says, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, that is, the sins, uh, deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Oh, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is... Uh, which should be a wake-up call, yeah. right? That yeah. um, not only should we, uh, is it like not a good idea to affirm somebody in their sin, but it's a sin for us to do that. Mm-hmm. It's against God's revealed will mm-hmm. for us to do that. Well, I think that's where, um, I forgot about that verse in Romans 1, uh, but it goes hand in hand with, with earlier in that chapter where it says, you know, claiming to be wise, they, they became mm-hmm. fools. Uh, in this aspect of like you know we've we've reached such an enlightened age that now we were decreeing what's right what's wrong blah 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 and all that uh, and in the approval of these things we're we're drifting into like foolish territory mm-hmm. where like even uh, there's growing popularity and they're still pushed back on it now but but give it give it some time um, the uh, pedophilia. Yep. I'm sure you've seen that. They've even renamed it. It's not. It's not pedophilia anymore. It's MAP, uh, minor attracted person, and gotcha. the, and there, there's this great push um, in that that far uh, ideology to um, not necessarily affirm pedophilia, uh, but to to downplay it. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, it's the way the person feels. And, like, they can't help the way that they feel, so we're not going to judge the way that they feel as long as they don't act on it. And so, so that, that's where the line's being drawn of, like, like the, the feelings are okay mm-hmm. just as long as you don't enact on it. And and some will go even far enough to say, like, like, a, like if, you found, if you find outlets that don't actually abuse children but simulate the abuse of children, then that's okay <laughs> as long as you're not actually abusing children. I'm like... Ooh, man, we are drifting into a a, a weird territory yeah. here. Um, but I mean, it it's it's just rotten step. Yeah, yeah it's just you know, the slippery slope thing. Um, and so yeah, we're we're just quickly moving into a world where you know everything is approved. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. the the question is then if it is uh, against God's will that. We as believers, or really that anybody, uh, give approval to uh, uh, people who are in the world and in their uh, giving approval to their re- open rebellion against God through their sin, and and they are really demanding acceptance and affirmation from 
not just us, but everybody, right? What is the proper Christian response to that? Like, how, how is it that we can uh, be in our, our culture and function in our culture without, uh, what's the word, um, without actually affirming? Like, how do we go about doing that? Short answer? Yeah. Uh, share the truth. Share the truth. And so the second half of that verse. Um, it's a good answer. Yeah, don't find joy in unrighteousness, but rejoice in the truth. So that's the short answer. Um, long answer is it depends. Um, so so here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go out of my way and, like, chastise someone. Right? So, like, I go to um, – uh, so, so if we're going with Pride Month stuff. Um, so I go to a, uh, a coffee shop every week and they fly the transgender flag and you know, they have the preferred pronouns on the wall. And there's even a few people who uh, assumably um, are part of that community that work there. Man, I'm not going to walk in and just like start berating them about their life choices. Um, like, like they didn't ask for that. They, they didn't, they're just working and, um, and they're not bringing up the subject. I'm there to get coffee. I'm not like, like they hand me my coffee. It's like, by the way, uh, <laughs> it's like I'm not going to go out of my way to chastise someone. But I'm also not going to go out of my way to to affirm someone. Um, and and that's where I think it gets a little bit tricky. Like if we're talking about strangers on the street, um, the, I, I don't think that's a good starting point. Um, yeah. For the gospel, right? Um, it's like, hey, I see that you might be part of this community. Did you know you're wrong? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. That's probably not a good gospel starting conversation. Right. Um, uh, so, like in in that case, like the the affirmation or the lack of affirmation part of it is probably going to be part of a much larger conversation um, with the people that you might be in that issue with. So I talked to a mom yesterday whose daughter um, uh, uh, is part of that community. And um, in that conversation, one is not going to be a single conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be multiple conversations. And even the central point of that conversation probably isn't even going to be that, that sin issue in particular. It's probably going to be a larger conversation of what is the gospel? What is God calling us to what is God calling us out of? And in the midst of that, our sin is going to be brought up. Mm-hmm. Like in the same way, like, you know, for someone that may be, you know, uh, proclivities to homosexuality or, right. or whatnot. And for other people, it might be um, uh, alcoholism mm-hmm. or drugs or gossip or, or whatever other yeah. sin it could be. Um, but at some point in every gospel conversation, there has to get to a point where it's like, what are you clinging to? What sin are you clinging to? And what do you need to give up? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, what Jesus did with the rich young ruler. Jesus didn't, first off, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. Right. He didn't go out of his way. And then second, they had, they had before Jesus, um, like, pressed in on what he needed to give up and his sin, uh, he had a little bit of a conversation with him and just got to know the guy yeah. and just kind of, like, learned, okay, where are you at? And then now wh- where do I need to go uh, in this conversation? And... And I think we see Jesus, um, whenever Jesus is interacting with people who have like a humility about their situation, he's much more gentle mm-hmm. with them. Um, so like the woman at the well. Right. Um, or the woman caught in adultery. Um, like if, 
if Jesus is interacting with someone who uh, who is fully aware of their shame and fully aware, aware of their guilt, he won't press in very hard on their sin. He'll still call them out of their sin, mm-hmm. but he won't like be like you know super like hard about it um, because they already know at that point. But then whenever he comes up to people, particularly religious people, uh, ironically. Um, uh, people who who think they're religious, like the rich young ruler, um, who have no concept of their sin, that's when he's very direct mm-hmm. with them and calls them out of that stuff. And and so it it's it's really a, it just depends kind of thing. And it's like again, I, I don't go into those conversations guns a blazing, right? Calling them out of their sin. Um, in particular, it's 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 part of a greater gospel mm-hmm. conversation. Gotcha. And I think. Uh, you know, one of the things that you that you mentioned in the sermon was, um, you know, not uh, not this part, but like what you just said, uh, not going out of your way, right, to really, um, you, you know, talk about talk about their sin at least initially. And it again, there's so many different circumstances and scenarios. I know that was a very broad mm-hmm. question. I mean, we could narrow it down to all sorts of different mm-hmm. situations, relationships, and things like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, if somebody's walking towards a cliff, here's where mm-hmm. uh, you got yeah. into it with your sermon, uh, it would be unloving mm-hmm. not to warn them that, hey, you're literally about to walk off of this cliff right mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. And so actually sharing the gospel and being intentional about sharing the gospel with people and, and showing them that, hey, uh, sin uh, in the world uh, offers you all of these things here here's the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is why God, this is why Jesus is better than mm-hmm. all of uh, all of these other yeah. things that you could be um, engaged in or these other things that you want to do. So uh, there's a song uh, that actually uh, came to mind. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called I'd Rather Have Jesus, and Selah does an awesome version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the lyrics, um, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands. And the chorus is uh, basically, rather have Jesus than to be the king of a vast domain or to be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And I think in a lot of ways, right, uh, that's part of what God does through the gospel is he changes hearts to, to sort of match this, uh, these affections, right, that... that uh, he changes our affections uh, with mm-hmm. uh, with a changed heart that we don't love the world and the things of the world. Instead, we uh, we would rather have Christ and all mm-hmm. that He has to offer us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's important, and, and that's where you know this verse is twofolded, right? I think a lot of times we focus on love finds no joy in unrighteousness. Like, man, yes, we got that right. <laughs> right. Let's go, let's go get them now. Right. Um, but there's a second half to that. But rejoices in the truth, and and. Um, I think we need to be clear about where the boundaries are in terms of like what God defines as sin. But at the same time, we also need to be known for what we believe, not just what we don't believe. Right. Uh, and so uh, that, that's where I think sometimes these conversations get a little out of whack is we're so busy calling out sin that we forget to call them to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, you know, every time Jesus says, come follow me, he's calling them out of something. Uh, it, all that's implied, and so, so if the whole conversation is framed around what you're doing is sin, you're missing it. 
Right. Um, you're missing the gospel. Um, sin is part of the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, but the gospel is we're heading, God is calling us to something from something. And so he's calling us to life in him from our sin. Mm-hmm. And if we're just stuck on the sin part um, and not actually calling to them to anything, uh, then of course they're going to buck back. Yep. Because now you're just telling them to arbitrarily just give up stuff. Um, but Jesus, like in the same way, dealing with the rich young ruler, he was telling them to give up a lot. Yeah. Like all of his riches, everything. Um, that alone, so the, the guy still didn't follow him, but that alone would cause anyone to be like, no, I'm not selling all my stuff. Um, it's like, why? It's like, go sell my stuff and just be homeless? Um, it, it doesn't make any sense unless you have that last phrase of, then come follow me. Because mm-hmm. now there's a reason to right. why I'm selling all my stuff because I'm giving it up to then go follow Jesus. And so we got to have both sides yeah. of that. Absolutely. Um, it's the why. Yeah. Right? Why yeah. should I give up these things? Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. All right. And sort of uh, getting to the end of that second point, uh, you, you made a statement to, uh, and kind of got off talking about, you know, that we, not that you got off, but mm-hmm. this, you started uh, down this path, but you sort of uh, cut it short. You said mm-hmm. that we seek friends who are willing to agree and to go with us. Yep. Uh, you know, talk mm-hmm. about faithful are the wounds of a friend, mm-hmm. uh, profuse the kisses of an enemy. In the sermon, you said you could, man, you had a lot more to say about that, but because of time, you really had to shrink it down. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, what else that you had for us on that? Yeah, so this this um, this topic of holding people accountable, we're really, we love the idea of holding the world accountable. And don't love the idea of holding each other accountable. That's like that's a concept that that's just lost on a lot of Christianity today. Um, when it's easy to do, I yeah. mean, you go into like any Bible study, mm-hmm. and if you ask a question about how, basically, how is the world so messed up? You, I mean, that right there can take up easily the entire Bible study mm-hmm. if you let it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, it, that's easy to do. It's, you know, turning it and looking at ourselves. Yeah. And, then... and so I think it's, um, so this idea of of even in our own relationships and our own friendships, we need to hold this same thing true. Mm-hmm. Like, like we find no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoice in the truth. Um, and that means that, that two things need to ha- be ha- happening. One, you need to have a mindset and friendship that I want people to call me out if mm-hmm. if it's necessary. And two, you need to find friends who also share that same mindset um, that they will call you out mm-hmm. if uh, you're doing things um, you shouldn't be doing. Uh, I remember uh, Michael Masterpole, uh, the student minister, his wife, Cammie, uh, me and um, Randy were, were looking at buying this Jeep. Uh, we, we ended up buying it. Uh, but we, we drove it over, before we bought it, we drove it over to their house, and I was just having Michael just take a look at it and give me what he thought. And Michael, or not Michael, uh, Cammie came out, she was looking at it, and, um, and, uh, and we were asking her, so what do you think? And, and she, she turned to us and she said, do you want me to agree with you or do you want me to give you my last thought? <laughs> and she, it was like a serious statement. It's like, yeah. it's like, she was like, it's like, if you've already decided on this, uh, I'm going to be happy for you in this. But uh, if you're asking my actual opinion, you know, here it is. Um, and, and I think that's like a good, like, that, that's a good way to, um, like, icebreak a conversation with a friend. Um, because here's what happens. We make a decision. This happens in counseling a lot, too. Um, 
people will make a decision and then they want to seek out counseling, be with a pastor or with a friend or whatever about the decision. And really what they're not looking for is um, true advice or counsel. Um, because true advice or counsel will assess the situation and then give, okay, here's where I think you might be wrong. Here's where I think you might be right. They're not really looking for counsel. They're looking for affirmation. They're looking, I've made this decision. Let me explain it to you. Now agree with my decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as Christians, that, that can't be how, how we go about things. Uh, like when, if we're truly going to present a scenario to a friend, like we need to, we need to, so on one side of the table, on our side, we need to throw out disclaimers of like, please disagree with me if this is not right. right. Uh, and on the other side, um, you could use the cami icebreaker approach of like, do you want me to agree with you or do you want me to, to like tell you what I actually think? And that's kind of like a good, like, um, uh, you know, <laughs> light handed way yeah. to, to edge into that. Right. That It'd be a lot better than if you asked, uh, so what do you think? And she's like, it's awful. It's awful. Don't buy yeah. it. It's like, right. well, okay. Uh, yeah, because I mean, we, we've yeah. all been there where where we we have a decision and we're talking to a friend and our friend presents cons. Right. And then what do we do? We start telling them why all their cons are wrong right. and why our decision is right. actually right instead of actually hearing out. Right. You know what they're what they're saying. Right, because we're actually fishing for affirmation. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is a good idea, right? Tell yeah. me it's a good idea. Man, and I've seen. I've seen people that their friends do try to try to admonish them a little bit and try to kind of guide them in the right direction a little bit, and they were little, they were literally literally just write them off, and they'll 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 sever the friendship, and they're like, and because because the mindset isn't, you know, I want friends that are going to help push me to Christ. The mindset is, I want friends to affirm me, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, 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 that's good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's go on to point three. So just to recap the points so far, uh, point one is where did it go? Okay, love is not about you; it's about others. Mm-hmm. Number two, love is not about affirmation; love is about truth. And then point three, love is not a short-term goal; it is an eternal reality. Mm-hmm. And I liked that point. That was you like ex- that one? Yeah, that was an excellent point. I had to go through it pretty quick. Uh, yeah. I was running out of time. Yep. Um, um, and, and this is right about the time where you said, now, I'm, probably while you've been listening to this, someone has been coming to mind yeah. that uh, is very, very hard to love. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, what color am I thinking of right now? Because you read my mind. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> I thought you were about to ask me, Chris, who's that person for you? And I'm like, no. <laughs> This is an awfully public place to talk about that. <laughs> no, I'm saying, uh, no, you basically nailed it. <laughs> yeah. uh, there we go. I, which, by the way, I, so so in preaching, often um, uh, I'll have people come up to me afterwards, and it's like, man, that was just for me. Like, like what it, what you preached on was just for me. And I like to make a joke of like, well, actually, I, you know, your spouse called me, and they said, <laughs> hey, someone's so dealing with this. Can you talk about it? Right. Um, so Sam... Sam called me, and she was like, hey, Jacob's been dealing with this. He's um, been having a hard time loving others yeah, recently. Yeah. Yeah. And orange. Is it orange? Uh, the color? It was blue. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, just testing that theory. Let's see if yeah. you were in my I'm not speaking from minds. the spirit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we're not, you're not sitting, standing behind the pulpit now, yeah. and now we're at the 
behind the podcast mic. Yeah, uh, my authority's gone. <laughs> uh, so the the passage was First Corinthians thirteen verses seven, and then the beginning of eight. Mm-hmm. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Mm-hmm. So the point really was that the love of God is eternal. Uh, there's no beginning. There's no end. Uh, to God's love for us. Uh, He's demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned that this was a plan that he's had uh, since uh, before the beginning of time, that this is uh, something that uh, he uh, brings about uh, in time and space, right? Mm -hmm. And this is God's love is that it's never ending. And so, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a model for us to model our own lives and the way that we should love others after. Yeah. And you want to talk about long-suffering? <laughs> uh, love is long-suffering. Uh, our long-suffering is five minutes, eight hours, a year. Let's say, let's even go 50 years. Um, uh, God's long-suffering <laughs> is literally eternal. Well, I guess not eternal because there's going to be there's going to be there's a moment prior to sin and, and a moment right. post sin. So, right. so I guess not eternal, but a lot longer than us. Thousands, like, like, yeah, we're talking about thousands of years. years, and even the aspect of His love driving His plan for uh, the cross and the mm-hmm. resurrection. Even in the plan of that, like there's there's the thought of, um, or there's the knowledge of these people that I'm about to create and pour myself into are going to rebel against me. Mm-hmm. So even like prior to that even happening, he knew this was going to happen and still instituted that plan. Uh, so even before there was anything to bear and anything to endure, he was bearing and enduring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, is, uh, which is pretty profound. And so uh, you made the point, and I thought this was really good, um, a lot of times we enter into uh, maybe it's a day, a conversation, and we really well, we're at the like this is something we're willing to tolerate, but we we can't wait to get out of this mm-hmm. conversation and to uh, be able to sort of uh, you know well get out of that, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and then as soon as we're out of that conversation or uh, out of that day, then we can go back to not at least appearing to be loving yeah. to that person uh, yeah. who's hard to love. Yeah. And we all do it. Yeah, it's and it's tough. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think in a big way, this is also where, you know, avoiding gossip and slander comes mm-hmm. in for those people that are hard to love. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. Like when, especially when you, uh, you've been wronged and we're called to love those people, regardless of how they've treated us, right? Jesus didn't mm-hmm. say, hate your enemies. We already hit that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to love our enemies and then to, you know, be all uh, almost like a Coke bottle that's been shook up. You know, you <laughs> kind of feel that way and it just would be better to pop and just let it all go and yeah. let it all out and really unload, uh, uh, offload that uh, off of ourselves onto someone else who's there and listening. Man, that is a constant temptation, isn't yeah. It? Well, I mean, so like, let's say you're going about the mindset of, man, I can't stand this person, and I'm going to spend the majority of my time when thinking about them, like, not in a loving way, but in like a, uh, like, I don't enjoy them, don't like them, don't like being around them, so on and so forth. And then let's say you get into a five-minute conversation with them, and then your mindset is, okay, okay, how can I love them through this five-minute conversation? 
Now that's that's looking a lot like that proverb. Mm-hmm. So, so the first half of that proverb was faithful or the wounds of a friend. The second half is profuse or the kisses of an enemy. And what that's getting at is on the enemy side, when you're with them, you're giving them kisses. Mm-hmm. Like so, like it, it appears when you're with them that you're friends right. and that you're allies. But then when you're behind them, you're actually enemies. And whenever your mindset is, how can I tolerate them through a five-minute conversation? Mm-hmm. And then outside of that conversation, just trash them in my mind or even with other people. You're that, you're that proverb. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're making them think that you're allies. And then behind closed doors, you're not. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, uh, that's being an enemy, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and not being loving yeah. uh, in that case. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it also brought to mind First uh, John uh, chapter <coughs> two, uh, verses seven through eleven, uh, sort of in that same vein, especially of uh, sort of offloading a lot of that. Uh, it says, <clears throat> uh, "Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in Him and in you." Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So, uh, for that one, it's that, uh, how is it that uh, we can reorient ourselves to uh, have that mindset of being more loving towards someone that we have a really hard time tolerating Mm -hmm. um, so that we're not uh, hating our brothers and and that we're not walking in darkness. Because, I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. Oh, yeah. First John is so black and white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You you read that. So he puts the disclaimer at the beginning of that of like, you know, we're called out to sin, but if we do sin, we have a mediator. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really good that he put that disclaimer at the beginning because the the rest of his letter is, if you hate your brother, God's love is not in you, um, or and so on and so forth. All these really black and white statements. And so, you, it's really easy to read First John and walk away with, am I even a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have to, when I'm talking to people, constantly remind them, okay, he gives this disclaimer at the beginning. We're called out of sin, but if we do sin... We have this meter. Anyways, right. yes. But, but because we've been called out of sin, yes. he's calling us out of that darkness, yes. right? Yeah. Like in, uh, in sanctification and, you know, yeah. it's, it's something that uh, it's not going to be perfect this side of heaven, but something like we should be shedding that darkness as we go and being more and more conformed to, to the image of likeness yeah. of, of Christ. Yeah, for sure. And and what was the question? How, how, do, we, how do we develop that love for those that, um, yeah. that we have a hard time yeah. with? how do we do that? Um, yeah, so I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, don't feel like it. Um, yeah, so so again, love, love is demonstrated when it's stress tested, right? Um, and so, whenever things happy, when it, whenever you're around people that you like, uh, it's easy to love, mm-hmm. um, and love isn't really demonstrated in those moments. Uh, love is more demonstrated when times get hard and when you're dealing with people that you don't like, which is why, you know, Jesus like, love your neighbor and your enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the, I think first off, that's going to be, as kind of John said, that's going to be the defining characteristic of Christianity is not 
just do you love the people that you like, but do you love the people that you don't like? Um, now, how do we do that? Um, I think I think it all goes back to the mindset. Um, and so, like, if I have the mindset of, oh, I can't stand this person, I don't want to talk to this person, then now whenever you do talk to them, whatever love you're showing them in that moment is a faux love. Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a facade um, that you're putting up to get through that conversation. And you may be well-intentioned in that conversation, but it's still a facade. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's very important whoever you're thinking of in your in your mind that in your thoughts about that person to maintain that loving aspect um so like your long suffering and your kindness for that person isn't just when they're talking your long suffering and your kindness for that person is in your thoughts as well and then all of a sudden if if you can when in your thoughts when you're not talking to them have that that loving mindset then now when you do talk to them now you don't have to build this facade up Mm -hmm. to get through that conversation because that conversation uh, is just or how you handle that conversation is just going to be an outflow of what was already in your mind Mm -hmm. um and so it's just it's really important um and uh and i'm guilty of this like you know you start talking and you're like oh man this person said this and yada 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 and and my wife is really good about um, helping me be charitable in those conversations. And like, it's like, okay, well, keep in mind, this may be going on. They may have this going on, so on and so forth. And it's just kind of easing you back into like being empathetic, right. being kind. Uh, again, hold them accountable. You know, if, if whatever's making you frustrated is a an unrighteousness issue, hold them accountable. But at the same time, maintain that empathy and that compassion uh, because love isn't about you, right? It's about them, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing: is um, guard your heart and guard your mind when thinking about that person, even when you're not talking to that person. And then you don't have to build up a facade mm-hmm. when you're actually talking yeah. to them. And uh, and prayer should help. Yeah, shouldn't it? man, I mean, you, you're always good at reminding me about the prayer thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. as hard as it can be. I mean, and and I think like the matter of our prayer or like the meat of our prayer, like the way that we pray for mm-hmm. those people matters too. Um, so That's why Jesus said pray for your enemy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, pray uh, for those who persecute you. And, and, and not, so, not like the, uh, the Pharisee and the temple. Like, <laughs> thank you, Lord, that I'm yeah. not like these guys. Exactly. <laughs> um, thank yeah. you, I'm not like that tax collector over there. Yeah. You know, I was pointing to Nikolai, I think. Are you happen to be a tax collector? I want to let you know that I am not a tax collector. Mm-hmm. That's good. That. Yeah, I'm ho- hopefully I'm not a Pharisee. Um, but yeah, I'm not like that guy over there. Um, right, exactly. And so the way that we pray, uh, I, I do think it uh, that also helps. Like I really like the mindset thing and being intentional about loving them. Uh, and if, I mean, but that's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so to to help get to that mindset, I yeah. think prayer is a great tool and like actually pray for them. Yeah. Uh, and, and be empathetic and um, not just, Lord, uh, please help them to be less annoying. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't just pray for them to stop their sin, but right. pray for, like, their well-being. Right. Like, like uh, it, and that might be even a good place to start whenever you're praying for someone who you would consider an enemy or, or who you're trying to love well. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pray for them to just stop being annoying right. or to just <laughs> stop their sin or, or whatever. In fact, it, it may do you well. In your own hearts, not even mention those sins in your prayer, but just pray for them as a mm-hmm. person. Look past the sin for a second and just look at them as a person. Yeah, and just pray for them as a person. Yeah, that God would bless them. Yeah, really. it's like it's like when <laughs> whenever I pray for my wife, 
who I love. I love you, Brandon. Uh, whenever I pray for my wife, who I love, I don't pray, Lord, can you help her stop doing this? If that's the majority of your prayer about your wife, right? that's not good. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, my prayers are always more of just praying for her as a person and thanking God for her as a person, not what she's doing. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. Well, I think that pretty well sums it up. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably better stop there. We're just going to keep going. Nicola, okay. how long have we been going? Almost an hour and a half. Okay. okay. We're oh. still under, like, you know. All We're right, just so, getting longer and longer. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, I mean, you you preached on love, so, I mean, there's a lot there. There we go. But. If you're still watching, give a comment down below and say, standing strong. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so, just to recap the points one last time, love is not about you. It's about others. Point two, love is not about affirmation. Love is about truth. And then point three, love is not a short-term goal. It is an eternal reality. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was uh, I thought it was an excellent sermon. It was really good. Well, thank you. I agree. <laughs> it's just the greatest of all time. It's just, it, it was the best sermon I heard that day. It was far better than the sermon that we're about to talk about for the Bad Doctrine of the Week. Oh, phew. Are, are we ready? Yeah. And uh, we cool. actually talked about this the other day. Did we? Uh, but I went and found the article. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I actually saw a video from this. <gasps> I saw this exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Associated Press News. Here's the, the headline. Mm-hmm. Can a chatbot preach a good sermon? Hundreds attend church service generated by chat GPT to find out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> Which is AI, by the way, in yeah. case you don't know. Yeah, it's AI. Um and so what, what happened is there's this church in Germany mm-hmm. where uh, somehow they came to the conclusion that uh, this artificial intelligence chatbot, um, th- they decided to have it preach the sermon for mm-hmm. that Sunday. I think it did the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, the whole uh, service. Like, yeah, music mm-hmm. and, uh, and the sermon. And it even starts off, uh, there's a quote that from, the, from AI here uh, mm-hmm. that was part of the sermon. Dear friends, it is an honor for me to stand here and preach to you as the first artificial intelligence at this year's convention of Protestants in Germany, the avatar said with an expressionless face and monotonous voice. Because so, <clears throat> there was an actual image, yes. like an AI-generated yeah. video right. of a person talking. Right. Yeah. And so it's like up on the screen. Um, it has, yeah, this image, this sort of avatar of the computer, mm-hmm. I guess. And I think it actually changed. It yeah, changed. It's, it's different people yeah. based on the different parts of the, the service. Right, yeah. right. So, <laughs> let's talk about this. What in the world is wrong with having uh, a 40-minute service, including sermon, prayers, and music, being led by... Artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think there's um, a number of things that could be bad doctrine among this. So, so actually, I looked into the story, um, and one of the things, or one of the reasons it cites for why they're even experimenting with this, is that they have a shortage of ministers and priests, or, or what bishops, whatever they call them. Um, so their strike one already is that. The church is not doing what the church needs to do to develop people um, to be leaders and to help shepherd and lead God's people. So that's, I think that's the, if that's truly what's driving this, I think that's the first thing that they need to address is how do we 
get better at identifying, training, and equipping people to lead God's people. Um, because that was their whole reasoning. It's like, it's like, okay, we can't find people to do this. What if we just offload it to AI? And they do it. So there's one. Two, first off, it's just weird. <laughs> um, so we do video announcements um, uh, where for, you know, four or five minutes, you know, we're looking at a screen and, and we pre-film ourselves and, and give the announcements and whatnot. But what if, what if that was just like a generated thing? Uh, that would be weird enough for announcements. Yeah. Um, even weirder for the word of God. Um, so, uh, here's my main issue with it is that can AI preach the word of God? Yes, I think it can. Um, in the sense of it can gather information about the Bible and regurgitate out what the Bible says. I think it's smart enough to do that. Should it? That's where no. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the uh, I can't think of the verse, but the scripture that pops into my mind around this topic is um, uh, if if God's people won't cry out and praise God, then the rocks will. There was a song growing up. It's called "Ain't No Rock." Did y'all ever hear that song? Uh, I don't think so. It's like "Ain't No Rock." Gonna cry in my place as long as I'm alive. I glorify His holy name. Yes, yeah. Okay, now that you sing the tune, yeah. I, yes, I do remember. <laughs> we sang that song in youth a lot, and um, yep. and the whole idea of that song was paired with that scripture of like, um, you know, well, a lot of times we refer to that scripture of like uh, creation is going to sing out to God and stuff like that. It's like, it's like, but the the greater context of that is if creation is having to cry out and sing to God. That's actually a judgment on God's people yep. because they're not doing it. And so if AI, um, if it gets to the point that that God is having to use AI to preach his word, that's a judgment on God's people mm-hmm. that they're not doing what they need to do. Can they do it? Can God use an AI? Sure, God can use whoever he wants to use. Um, but that's, if God gets to the point that he has to do that, um, man, that's that's not good for God's people because right. they're dropping the ball. Because, in the same way that that um, Paul talks about how the Israelites to them are the glory and the adoption and the the inheritance and all these things, uh, in Romans nine he talks about all of this is theirs, but they're they're not getting it, mm-hmm. and they're not getting it because they've dropped the ball. And uh, in, in a similar way, it's like. Like to us have been given the responsibility and the privilege to carry out the word of God and to preach the word of God. And if AI is the one that's doing it, then we've dropped the ball. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, uh, and also kind of piggybacking on, on that, um, you, the big question is, should it? Here's a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, can AI be filled with God's spirit? Ooh. Is it is AI part of of the Holy Spirit's <laughs> temple? Um, does the Holy Spirit uh, empower leaders uh, in the church mm-hmm. and, uh, and teachers and, yeah. and preachers, pastors? I think the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And so, if if the Spirit is uh, is empowering uh, people to rise up and lead the church, 
And here, we're, you know, it's getting offloaded uh, to uh, artificial intelligence. That's, um, man, uh, talk about judgment, right? Mm-hmm. If the Spirit is raising people up for that purpose and it's not mm-hmm. happening, mm-hmm. man, that's, uh, that's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I think that one of the biggest uh, arguments, right, and th- it's those leaders that, that are part of the church. It's not that the leaders stand like over and above or, you know, next to the church, whatever. The leaders are part of the, the church body that together we make up the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you import something else that's not human, not made in God's image into that equation. I think you get into some theological issues. Yeah, and not just not just bringing them into the equation, but bringing them in as a leader right. of it. And so, how do you have a spirit-filled church being led by something that's not spirit-filled? Right. Yeah. Because in the same AI chatbot that can write a really great sermon can also write a really uh, a lot of great uh, works that. Uh, talk uh, down about God or mm-hmm. talk down about uh, Christianity or believers. Mm-hmm. And so that I think that's a really uh, really big sort of dilemma that those who are sort of shifting to using AI and are even experimenting with it are going to have to sort of grapple with and, and uh, sort that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that there's a way forward uh, no. you know, with that being the future. No, and a lot of the people uh, when they interviewed people who went to the service, a lot of them said, just seemed lifeless. Well, and literally. Literally, it's <laughs> lifeless. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, for sure, probably not the way to go. Did you see the picture of the guy who instituted it all? No, I don't. I don't guess I did. He looked like a, um, do y'all remember what Steve Jobs looked like? Yep. Um, like black turtleneck. Um <laughs> like that guy. It looked like that. It looked like this guy was trying to be Steve. Like this guy, you could tell he thought that he was like the innovator. The, <laughs> yeah, that, that guy, guy right there. Yeah. <laughs> he thought, man, he, I am on the brink of uh, greatness. Greatness here, and uh, it, you know, it's it's funny. Um, yeah, it's uh, if a church gets to the point that they're they're having to rely on AI, I would say that's a sign of judgment on that church, and that church is probably not going to last very long. Um, God is more than happy, as we see in Revelation. God is more than happy to remove the lampstand mm-hmm. from churches. Uh, and I would say that's probably a pretty good sign that, that they're heading in that direction. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Nikolai, you got any thoughts? I think you guys did really well talking. Good job. <laughs> Proud of you. Thank you, Nikolai. Thank you. We do our best. Yeah, we're just going to have you here just to affirm us throughout <laughs> the way. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, would you go to a church service that has AI-led pastors? Um, if we if we made ourselves AI, and this whole podcast was AI, would you listen to that? Might be less work on our end. <laughs> but let us know what you think. Uh, always forget to mention this uh, at the beginning. Uh, but if you're still watching, like, subscribe, comment, do all those things. It just uh, tells the algorithm that you like this content and that you get to see it more. And uh, let us know what you think about any of this stuff. Uh, you know, what interactions have you had around love? You know, how, how can you do love better? You know, what examples and experiences can you share in that? And if you have any bad doctrine of the week that you want to share with us, let us know. We'd, we'd love to talk about it. Uh, but until then, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.